Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk to you about in the land of sports, and we definitely want to keep that conversation going after the show, so make sure to swing on over to ODPHpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page. Parlay Points, new blogs count anywhere is up right now, so you definitely want to go check that out. The T Public Store, the classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 8122 Productions, Dragon Master Games, and so many more. Also, the directory, if it is anything and everything that is the ODPH, it can be found at odphpodcast.com. And always remember you're on social media, use the hashtag ODPHpod. But kicking off the sports edition of the show, we need to recap. An interesting night of fights yeah. from Las Vegas, UFC 276 pad. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so that, of course, took place uh, on Saturday, July 2nd from the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, with an attendance, an announced attendance of 19,649 folks in attendance and a total gate of $10.4 million. Good Lord. Wow. Yeah. Not surprised, though. No, not at all. Fight week, international fight week, you know, so it's you know kind of like the UFC Super Bowl, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Yeah. Uh, probably could have stacked the card a little better, in my opinion, for their quote-unquote Super Bowl. But, eh, you know what? It is what it is. Well, the thing about International Fight Week, it's not necessarily about the card at the end of it. It's about celebrating the UFC sure. and MMA for the week. Because that's sure. when they do their Hall of Fame ceremonies. They do a bunch of different things. In the past, they've done the Ultimate Fighter. They've done Daniel Cormier's ripping people's shirts off on the red carpet interviews. Yeah, I mean, there's some wild stuff that goes on that entire week in Vegas. So, Pretty much. Basically, everybody knows that, that first weekend in July is UFC time. Mm-hmm. And if you try running against it like the WWE did, it's not going to go in your favor. Yeah. But this is where the UFC definitely had a lot of eyes on their product. And man, oh, man, oh, man, there's some storylines coming out of this one. Uh-huh. So let's break it down. Yeah, I'll just go quickly through a couple of fights on the uh, main card. The main card opened up in the bantamweight division with Pedro Munoz taking on Sean O'Malley, which ended in a no contest because of an accidental eye poke. And you even had Munoz uh, confirm later that his cornea was scratched. Hey. Ow. Yeah, that one has been... You know, really up in controversy. Obviously, mm-hmm. having to be stopped like that, is, nobody wins with that one. No. I, and I don't care what Sean O'Malley's been putting he's on tr- social He's media. trying to spin that so hard. You can try spinning it any way you want, but it's not going to happen. Nope. We all know it's a no contest. It is what it is. And now the question is, where does one of the UFC's biggest names, quote-unquote, go from here? And I mean the biggest names because... He is now in that position of being the fighter that they are hyping behind. Mm-hmm. That we've seen in the past with Paige Van Zant and Sage Northcutt. Is Sean O'Malley the real deal? Like, that's the situation that we haven't had answered yet. The last time we saw him in a real challenge was against Marlon Vera. Yeah, and he got knocked out in the first round. Yeah, because his leg gave out. Uh-huh. So. It's a weird situation to be had here. Yeah. I mean, I thought he looked, you know, when the fight was going on, I thought he looked okay. Yeah. But I'm not exactly sitting there going like, 
he's the real deal. It, it co-signs this. Yeah. Let's run with it. I mean, I I think you got to give him if if uh, Munoz doesn't want to fight him again because hey, you know, fuck you. Yeah. I think you got to find him a fight of equal stature, just because. Listen, in my eyes, if you won, then you can move up and you can fight a higher ranked fighter. If you lost, you kind of stay pat or go back down. I think you got to fight someone of equal stature just because, listen, you didn't win, you didn't lose. You kind of stayed pat. You still got to prove to me whether you're worthy of moving up in the rankings and moving up in the to a higher-ranked fighter. Just because, like I said last week, the only named fighter on your record that I recognize is Marlon Vera, and he knocked your ass out in the first round. Yeah, that's the fight I think they should go with, too. Like, I think that makes a lot of sense. If you want to try running it back against Munoz, I... I, I I didn't really feel like we need that at this moment. I can understand doing it, though, just because, hey, we didn't get a resolve with this. It's kind of sure. left open-ended. So if they go with it, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. But I think that would be a real test, though, with Vera, though. Yeah. And I think that, obviously, the storyline's there. And if Sean O'Malley is the real deal, because the jury is still out. Oh, yeah. I You know, you can beat up so many contenders on the contender show, the Ultimate Fighter. But until you get in there and you start fighting ranked Right, right. And this is where the UFC really steps their game up because when you're fighting a ranked opponent, Mm -hmm. this is how Sean O'Malley is going to get measured against. I mean, you can fight the amateurs and the ones that are breaking in, and you can do very well. Hey, it happens. But it doesn't mean that you you turn into John Jones, who can run through everybody now and was at one point the greatest fighter in the world. Right. That's the situation you have here with Sean O'Malley, that there's a lot of hype behind him because he sells himself. Yeah. He's great for marketing purposes. Sure. He fills a void that the UFC desperately needs. But the problem is you can have all those fighters come in there and do that. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean a damn if you can't win a fight. Well, and that's the thing is, you know, the record of 15 wins, one loss, one no contest looks great, and it looks awesome on paper. Sure. But then you look at the record and you look at who he's fought that, like, okay, I get the guys, like, you'll recognize some of the names. Common Man Vince Atoli will recognize some of the names. But me, the kind of, like, casual, I'm not, like, I understand this stuff and I know some of the names and I recognize some of the craft, but I don't go that deep on the roster and know a ton of the guys. I'm sitting here going legitimately, I know one guy of the folks you fought and you lost to him. So could he be great? Maybe. Put him up against somebody named and ranked that I can un- recognize and understand, and then we'll see. That's why I think the Verify makes a lot of sense to run it back with him. I The storyline's there, and listen, that's the benchmark right now because he couldn't go through Vera. Vera, no. Vera leg kicked him, and then his, yeah. leg, his leg went out, that and it was, was a stoppage. So get that redemption story. That is something that could sell a fight to somebody watching on pay-per-view. Oh, easily. So... I'm not saying it's going gonna, it's gonna to headline. Like, I'm, And my ranking of dropping $80 to watch a fight, that's not going to do it. But no. if it's like a third fight on a card, maybe you might sway me depending on how everything else is looking. Yeah. So let's see. Yeah. Uh, next up was the welterweight division matchup where you had Brian uh, Barbarena defeat Robbie Lawler uh, in four minutes and 47 seconds of the second round via TKO. Man, that was tough. Uh-huh. That's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, Robbie Lawler is Robbie Lawler, the legend, the guy that is, you know, last of a dying breed, so to speak. Like four, uh, Just turned 40 years old back in March. Uh, this was his 46th professional fight, and the man has been fighting professionally since April 7th of 2001. Yeah, so when we talk about tread on the tires, I mean, Robbie's got him. 
Uh-huh. But it's never to say that when he was in the in the cage, he didn't bring it every time he had. Mm-hmm. It's just a situation that the years have caught up to him. I no, they. I mean, they they absolutely have. Just because you look at his last couple of fights, you know, he lost his fight, you know, this past weekend. Won his prior fight against Nick Diaz, you know, back in September. But then he was on a one, two, three, four fight losing streak, losing to the likes of Neil Magny, Colby Covington, both by unanimous decision. Ben Askren submitted him with a bulldog choke. Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos got a unanimous decision when he beat Donald Cerrone in 2017. But you can argue that was kind of Cerrone starting to fade a little bit and start maybe mm-hmm. may, starting to decline. You know, Woodley knocked him out in July of 2016. You know, and then that so you got to go all the way back to t- January of 2016 was you know where he beat Carlos Condit, and then the fights before that where he was on his last good run. Yeah, you know, I I think it's time. No, I do too. I mean, I hate saying it because Robbie has always been an entertaining fighter. I love seeing him fight. Oh, I do too. And like I say, he's one of those anytime, anywhere, any place guys. Like he is just somebody that will get in that cage sure. and just leave it in there. It's just unfortunately that at this stage in the game, the sport is passing him by. But this happens with everybody. This Absolutely. isn't a slight to him in any which way, shape, or form. Robbie is going to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, if for nothing else throughout mm-hmm. his entire career. The fight he had with Rory McDonald is the, is the thing of legend. Uh-huh, look that one up if you haven't seen it. Oh, my God, yeah. like That solidified him as a Hall of Famer in my book. Oh, yeah. So now the question is, is he going to be finally done? I would say Dana might give him one more if he feels generous, but I think it's done. Yeah, no, yeah. I did too. And I, I'm, a, I'm perfectly all right with that. And for Barbarina, hey, it's a feather in your cap. It's a solid win for you, so nothing take anything away from that. It's a no. solid win. Just have to see where he goes from here. Uh, next up was a middleweight division matchup where you had Alex uh, Perea defeat Shane Strickland in uh, 2 minutes and 36 seconds of the first round via KO. Okay. So I'm just going to make a quick editorial. Uh-huh. We said on the podcast last week, go back and go check. If Strickland decides to stand and exchange strikes with Perea, it's going to be a short night. And what happened, Pat? Uh, he's decided to stand and punch with him. <sighs> Man, this was going to be the problem. Perea, 6-1, and one, like you touched upon, is coming in from having an extensive kickboxing background. Mm-hmm. Pretty much that's all he does, but he does it well. Where he's beating the dude in the main event twice. Yep. So take nothing away from that. And listen, I always say if you have a one-trick pony, as long as that thing can get to the finish line, you're all set. Mm-hmm. So you know what? This is where it did. It's, it's it's like challenging, you know, like an Adam Vinatieri or Janikowski in the NFL to like any competition in the NFL, like catching, you know, tackling, interceptions, whatever, and you decide to challenge them in a kicking contest. Why? Exactly. That was the whole point. It's like it doesn't it didn't make any sense. And like I say, if you have one one trick that you're good at, you know, like I say, Ronda, Ronda Rousey was a one trick <laughs> pony with you know with her arm bar, and then she decided to try and box a gold glove boxer. Exactly. So like I say, if you have one thing, do it well. Yeah. But it ain't no shame. There's no shame in it. But this is where Shane Strickland or Sean Strickland should have been uh, smarter about this. And this was a case that he got caught. Uh huh. Because I tell you what, Perea was ready for this one. He definitely rose to the challenge. Take nothing away. I mean, Strickland's a good fighter and all, but, man, you make that error in judgment. Right. It will come back and end your night very quickly, as it did right here. Oh, yeah. So now the question is, where do we go from here? Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it's very easy. 
and I don't care if you call it leapfrogging. I don't care how you, however you want to say it. Perea's fighting Adesanya. The storyline is there. He's, he's got the argument. He's got the argument. Obviously, the history of them in the kickboxing world, bringing it to MMA. I know Izzy wants it as well. Well, and I'm just I'm bouncing back and forth because I've got the rankings open at UFC.com slash rankings for the middleweight division. Of course, Adesanya is the champion. Uh, currently, as we record, Robert Whitaker is the number one ranked fighter. Beat him. Number two is uh, Jared uh, Canyonier. Uh, also beat him. Third is Marvin Vittori. Also beat him. Mm-hmm. Four is Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson. There he is. Uh, beat him in November of 2018. Number five is Paulo Costa. Uh, also, oh, yeah, he beat him. Also beat him. Embarrassingly beat him. And then you get to number six, Alex Pereira. So, I mean, you got the argument. In, in terms of where we sit in the rankings, you know, he's beaten the top five fighters. Logically, that would say number six. Is it leapfrogging? Yes, but. He dominantly defeated those other five, six guys. Exactly, Pad. There's no argument in my eyes. I don't think you you dance around this anymore. Strike while the iron's hot. If Perea is the guy, and obviously after that performance, he'd be the number four guy in your rankings. Right, and, and then he went back out for the main event to watch. Yeah. It writes itself, and especially for somebody, and we'll get to the main event and, and break it down a little further, but for somebody that needs a storyline and an opponent, Got one. Ju- you, you were just gift-wrapped that. Yeah. So that's all we really need to say about that one. Uh, next up is the co-main event of the evening, and that was for the fe- UFC Featherweight Division Championship, where you had Alexander Volkanovsky defending his belt against Max Holloway, and you had Volkanovsky emerge victorious, beating Holloway by unanimous decision, uh, and the scores were 50-45, 50-45, and 50-45. All right, I'm just going to say it right now. Why did this happen a third time again? Exactly. There was no purpose. Well, no, there was a purpose. Reasons. Yes, thank you. All right, where do we even begin here? I, I think we'll we'll go with the plot, the positives here. Volkanovski has done what few people thought he could do, and he is just light years ahead of everybody else in that featherweight division. Here's my positive: Holloway is not dead. Yeah, I mean that's the one situation. Volkanovski just dominated that fight. Like honestly, fifty forty five is being generous, uh-huh. and, and I hate saying this because Max Holloway is one of my favorite fighters. Oh yeah. But this was a situation he was out. Fifty forty five is very rare to see in the UFC. Fifty forty five is essentially the judges sitting here going, "You got your ass handed to you, and why are we here again?" Yeah, it just didn't make any damn sense. No, it didn't. It didn't. And Pad, we'll just do it properly. Why, Pad? Reasons. So that being said, Volkanovski's got to go up to one fifty five. Oh, absolutely. I don't even think there's a question. I don't care about leapfrogging in this kind of situation. Who else is there at one forty five for him? That's the question you got to ask now, because I really don't see a lot. Well, again, let's play the old bouncing game. Uh, currently, the featherweight division, Volkanovski is the champ, as I mentioned. The number one fighter is Max Holloway, LOL. Uh, number two is Brian Ortega. You beat his ass. Yeah. Uh, number three is Josh Emmett. Uh, 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 looks like he hasn't fought Emmett yet. Emmett's so. been on the shelf for a while, so okay. him coming back would make some sense. But Right. Uh, also, uh, you've got Yair Rodriguez in there. and da, 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 do. Don't see him in there, so yeah, there's a possibility. Uh, number five is Calvin Qatar. Uh, 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 nope, haven't fought him. So, I mean, there's some guys in there that if he really wants to stay a featherweight, and fight, you know, he's got some options too. But I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes up a division just because he's been so goddamn dominant. Well, that's the one situation that you have when you're fighting at such an elite level. 
Who's next? So I mean, th- there's also a noticeable uh, vacancy when it comes to lightweight division. Yes, yeah, term, in terms of that whole champion picture. Well, there is a championship because obviously about missing weight and such, and and, yeah. that, and that throws the curveball in there. Yeah, but that's why I think it would be smart for him to fight Charles Oliveira. Yeah, I think you need to make that fight at at this stage. Listen, it there is really no argument not to make that fight. Like there is no argument that you can say like, okay, we really can't make this. Mm-hmm. He's gone through everybody. Like you said, Josh Emmett. Yeah, you could do that fight if you wanted to. Sure. You know, there, there's some guys there that it's not like, you know, we were just talking about where it's like, oh, no, they've legitimately beaten everyone in the goddamn division. Like, no, there's some guys there he hasn't fought, but it's it's going to come down to what he wants to do. Yeah, I mean, that's you hit it right on the head, Pat. It's up to him what he wants to do. I mean, if he wants to get up for a Josh Hammond fight, he could do that. He's got to hope Yair Rodriguez beats Brian Ortega because right. they're locked and loaded for the right. end of this month. So and if Yair somehow pulls that off because I don't think he's going to do it, I mean, you could throw him in that mix, sure. But at the end of the day, he's at that weird stage that when you have a champion such like an Anderson Silva during right. his time, a yeah. GSP during yeah. his time, yeah, when you've literally cleaned out your division, mm-hmm. you have to move up. Yeah. Or you could try dropping down. Or they'll but, do like Buddy but, Mouse and they'll trade your ass. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. Well, the flyweight division is just a, a weird paradox, though, in yeah. its own right. So, yeah, it is. So, so it's tough. But this is where, like I say, you can either do that fight. You could, if you want to, entertain the idea of Henry Cejudo. Yeah. Because I know he was back in action trying, yeah. to, trying to get a fight with somebody. And if you want it, like I say, if you want to do that fight, sure, you could. But I guess at the end of the day is what's in it for you? Mm-hmm. And for me, I think if I'm Volkanovski, I'm, I'm going 155. I can move up, be a champ champ. You can decide if you want to go cut weight to go down to featherweight, and mm-hmm. you still be dominating down there because I don't see anybody right now that's going to come close to you. Maybe Brian Ortega if he can put it together finally, but right, you know, it just you've seen him in those title pictures before, and it just hasn't clicked for whatever reason. And I, I like Ortega as a fighter. I'm not, you know, dissing him for no reason. Sure, but it's a situation that he's got to do something different, and I don't know. Like I'm saying, looking at that rankings and. I mean, this is a situation that rankings matter a little more than AEW. <laughs> that you have to go, okay, who is possible that is going to put people in a seat to go see you to see you fight? Right. I'm looking at a list. I'm not. I'll be honest. I'm not super excited about Josh Emmett versus Volkanovski. No, no, it's nothing against Emmett, but I'm looking at it going. Emmett's got power in his hands. It's a championship fight, so theoretically you'd put it in the main event or at least the co-main event, depending on who else you could book for the fight. Sure. And if you're putting you know, Volkanovski versus Emmett in the main event on a pay-per-view card, sorry, I ain't buying. Yeah. Volkanovski's a great champion, and he's a great fighter, but that's not the type of name that I'm – because especially as expensive as everything is these days and as expensive as these pay-per-views have gotten, I'm not dropping $80 for a Volkanovski-Emmett card. I, I'm with you. I mean, it's sad to say, but I am fully with you. It's that $80 rule. Yeah, it if is. You, if you were looking at a card and you have five fights on the main card and you divide by 80 because mm-hmm. you know, it's about how much you're going to be paying with tax yeah. and such. yeah. So $16 a fight, do you feel that you're going to get your money's worth with that main event card? Right. I mean, that's the question you you have to legitimately ask. Yeah. It's not to say that this fight card wasn't worth it, but to really try selling it that right. there's a legit threat to Volkanovski at 145. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like, right now it's a little tough. I, that's why I say if you book him against Oliveira at 155, right. let him go for the championship. That's something that we'll definitely be tuning oh, in yeah, that, 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 Oh, yeah. That's an instant fight to make. So... I think that's the route he's got to go. 
I don't really see anything else down at 145 that would keep no. my attention with that. No. And then on the flip side, Maxi Baby. Hey. Oh, man, this hurts. This, uh-huh. this, I mean, I'm not saying this is, you know, Michael Bisbing kind of hurt for me, but this is this hurts. It hurts to say. Well, you think about when Max Holloway came on the scene and he was somebody to just scrap, and he definitely would get in that fighting battles with people. He, he's come yeah. out with scars, and then, you know, finally he's become – you know, king of the featherweights for a good run. Well, and I mean, you look at some of his work kind of like around 2015, 2014, you know, where he beat Cub Swanson in 2015, Charles Oliveira in 2015, Jeremy mm-hmm. Stevens in 2015, Ricardo Lamas in 2016, Anthony Pettis in 2016, Jose Aldo back to – he knocked Jose Aldo's ass out back to back. Yeah. In, in a calendar year, uh, essentially. You know, and then Brian Ortega, and then he had that loss to Poirier, and, you know, kind of wasn't the same ever since. Well, that was the problem with him is that he went up to 155. Right. And he did not look good going back to that weight class. Now, Poirier looked much bigger than him sure. in that fight. That's sure. That's why I say, like, to go up there, and especially when you're having guys that are cutting down from, uh, you know, 170 range to go down to 155, it's a tough weight cut because Max, I mean, doesn't really appear to be walking around in that weight. Mm-hmm. So now is the question of where do you go with him for after this fight? And there really, there really isn't a lot that you can do at the 145 division as long as Volkanovski's there. Right. Because he can't beat him. Sorry, right. three times he can't beat him. I mean, he's still got plenty of career left ahead of him. He is currently 30, 30 and a half years old. He turns 31 uh, in the, the first week of December. Right. You know, so there's still there's still some miles ahead of him. It's just you got to figure out what the hell he's going to do. Well, that's the question because now you can't really contend for a belt if Volkanovski's there. No, he's beating your ass so three times. So you're more or less going to be a gatekeeper at 145. Right. Or, and I know this is going to sound kind of weird, but hear me out. Do you put him in that weird stance of like a Jorge Masvidal, a Connor, a uh, Nate Diaz, where you don't need to fight for a belt? You're just going to fight to be a prize fighter. You could. I mean, I don't think he's necessarily on the level of those names that you mentioned. Right, right. But you could. It's certainly a name that folks recognize. But is is it a, is it a mass appeal name? In the ter- in the same level of Connor or Diaz or Habib, no. But I think it's a name you can market as a prize fighter. Yeah, I mean that's the question that you'd have to do because I mean unless you're going to try making a run at 155, which he could, yeah, he could, not ruling it out. But you look at that 155 division pad. I mean, where does he fit in in that equation? I mean, take a look at the names from Oliveira, Gaethje, yeah, Chandler. Oliveira, Poirier, Gaethje, uh, Machekov, Chandler, Darush, uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, and that's just in the top seven. Yeah, I mean. Ferguson's Ferguson's in there. Connor's still in there. Dan Hooker's in there. You know, that's a stacked division. It, yeah, so to plug him in there, and like I say, the last time we saw him, because I know he used to fluctuate between 155 yeah. and 145. Yeah. But the last time we saw him at 155, he did not look good. And now that division's deeper like mm-hmm. i know that sounds weird saying but it's like where do you go from him and this is where i think you got to take a look at doing those prize fights that okay you're not going to fight for a bell but can you fight a name yeah, so i give him like a ferguson give him like a connor yeah hell even a chandler chandler i think at this point would be a good sell chandler will still is contended but right that, like i said that would be a good fight for Chandler. i would i would not mind seeing that because yeah. they'll, they'll stand in there that'd, that'd be a good fight I think the fight you really got to do, though, and I know it'll sound a little weird, but I do the fight with Connor. 
That'd be good. Because the one thing is Max will talk as much trash with him. <laughs> the press fights would be, or the press conferences would be amazing. The expectations are low for like, yeah, yeah, what you'd be expecting as far as like a title contention. So then it's a good like, tu- it's a good tune-up fight for the both of them. Yeah, because if if Max wins, he beats Connor. That's that's a big name, and then you can kind of plug and play him in you know that top seven that you talked about. Mm-hmm. Or you try going a different round, and if there's somebody that's in limbo in that top five, right. That isn't gonna get a title shot because they've had a couple. I mean, I think the one that probably comes to mind is Justin Gaethje. Yeah, that could be another one too. But that's where I think the direction you got to go with him. And it's it's a weird vibe to see, man. It's mm-hmm. just weird because Max has been so good at featherweight that now, I mean, let's be honest, he got dominated for mm-hmm. five rounds. Yeah. That like I said, we're not breaking down anything into this fight because literally, what are we gonna say? Yeah, it's fifty forty five. You got your ass kicked. Yeah, you got his ass kicked the entire twenty five minutes. Enough said. Mm-hmm. But there's one more fight we gotta talk about. Yeah, and that was in the main event for the middleweight division championship, where you had Israel Adesanya defending his belt against Jared Kenye. Uh, Israel Adesanya paying homage to the Undertaker. Yes, coming out with uh, Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, Triple H, and Pat McAfee in attendance after Money in the Bank, which we'll get to next segment. But with uh, paying homage to the Undertaker coming out in the Undertaker uh, hat with an urn. I was mm. trying to see. I thought I thought the urn said something. I couldn't quite tell. But the music and all. I was expecting. I'm not gonna lie. I was expecting music to stop and remix into something else pleasantly surprised it stayed all the way through it was awesome to see yeah no i mean adesanya has been putting together some entrances like he's done this throughout uh-huh. his career so oh, yeah. uh i don't know if it was just because of some certain people in the audience as, mm-hmm. as we saw because the mcmahon family and pat mcafee were in yep. in the house yep tony khan and uh, jim ross too. by god barbecue sauce that was a weird photo but i tell you what that that's like the perfect way to describe our show though (laughs) like for everything we covered so not wrong so seeing all that happen this fight went the way i thought it was gonna go yep israel asani defeated uh kanye by unanimous decision uh and the scores were 49 46 49 46 and 50 45 yeah so this one kanye had one chance and that was to knock him out he had one shot one opportunity and well he let it slip yeah, but it's when you're fighting the next version of Anderson Silva, mm-hmm. you have to catch lightning in a bottle, and unfortunately he didn't. Unfortunately, Adesanya fought a smart fight. He picked him apart, got his shots in. I I hate saying he outpointed him, but let's face it, that's kind of what happened here, and he's, yeah. he's been very smart about this. Pretty much. So the question is, where does both fighters go? Kanye goes back in the mix. I, I don't know if we'll see him get another title shot right away. He'd have to put together some great, uh, yeah. you know, highlight reel knockouts to get in contention. But the big fight that I think everybody's talking about, and we kind of alluded to a little bit, is Adesanya is going to be fighting uh, Perrier. Yeah, it has to. Yeah, there's no question. Yeah, none. There needs to be a storyline here to get people interested because. Oh yeah, he's like like we said earlier. He's beaten Whitaker, who's number one. He just beat Kanye, who's number two. Vittori's number three, who he's also beaten. Brunson's number four, who he's also beaten. And then you've got uh, Paulo Costa, who's number five, who he's also beaten. He embarrassed him. Yeah. Like I say, there there would be no interest for me to see Paulo Costa versus Adesanya. Right. Too. None. Because Costa came up with a million different excuses why he lost. I'm sorry, you got you got beat by a better fighter. That's what happened. So now you got to make that fight with Perea, and then let whatever is going to happen there happen there. I mean, Perea, that, there's that legit yeah. chance he might get knocked out. Could be. I mean, the only thing Izzy could try doing is if he takes him to the ground. But Oh, yeah, well, because Izzy's going to be familiar with his kicking game. Oh, yeah, I'm sure, and, and this will get him motivated. And 
And motivated Adesanya is one of the scariest people on the planet. Right. Because you know what he'll do? He'll actually stand in exchange with him because he wants to prove a point. And I, I scrolled down to look. Of the two fights, uh, Adesanya lost to Perea in kickboxing. One was by unanimous decision. The other was by knockout. And that was their last fight in, uh, Dece- in uh, 2017. Yeah. So, like I say, the storyline's there. And that will get people excited to watch the fight. I'm sorry. I have no interest in seeing Adesanya fight Paulo Costa again. Because, no. like I say, he was embarrassed so much. Just look at the post-fight footage. I'm just going to leave it at that. Him against Luke Rockhold? I mean... Yeah, if it was like five years ago, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm sorry. This this does nothing for me at this stage unless Rockhold suddenly looks like he found the fountain of youth. (laughs) But that ain't going to happen. So, I mean, all signs point to Adesanya versus Perea. And then after that, somebody's got to move up to challenge him or he's got to go either down or up. But, like, I can't see him cutting down to 170. Catch weight, him versus Usman. Well, they've talked belts, about... Belts aren't on the line. Yeah, they've talked about doing that. Well, you know what the weird photo I saw was Jan Blachowicz was challenging Usman. Yeah, I saw that. That didn't make quite a lot of sense, but uh, what do I know? 170 versus 205, so that means you come up to 185? Like, Catch I, weight. Yeah, but that's... For Blachowicz at this age, I don't know if that's a smart move. No. Uh, I really don't. Usman, I could see moving up because he, he is a very stocky fighter for his weight class. But uh, he's also... i tell you what, though. You want to sell the shit out of a card. Usman versus Adesanya, catch weight. Belts aren't on the line because that would, but Usman number one ranked pound for pound fighter on UFC.com, uh, Adesanya number three behind Volkanovski sells itself. You know what's the weird thing, Pat? And you might not understand this reference because of yeah. the time frame. Yeah, we always compare Adesanya to who? Anderson Silva. Yeah, we see now in the welterweight division, Usman is winning fights very dominantly like a former champion of that weight class. Mm-hmm. Do you know what champion I'm referring to? Not offhand, no. GSP. Oh, okay. I can see it. So what I'm saying is, and just and obviously Usman is finishing fights, so let's just clear that up. There before. ain't no lay and pray here. Right. But for the longest time in MMA history, the dream fight when they were in their primes that never could get together for YPAD Reasons was GSP versus Anderson Silva. Yep, tried for years. So why don't you run it forward? Yeah, and make that fight happen. Yeah, like I say, it's a little crazy to think about. But if you're an old school fan like myself, I remember how like that was the fight to make, and for right. whatever reason, yeah, the, the stars just never aligned. They just could not pull that off at the catchway. GSP, I don't know, like, and I could be wrong about this, so don't quote me. But it's like GSP didn't want to move up to 185. They couldn't agree on a catchweight to come down. It was, it was like there, there are circumstances that made this not right. happen. But, right. but at the time, it would have made perfect sense. I think you're getting near that discussion for both fighters. It's like, where do we go from here? And this is a big problem the UFC has is you have an elite group of fighters in both the men's and women's divisions. But there is a significant drop-off. Oh, yeah. No, there's enough talent, but it's a lot of talent at the top. And the ones up and coming that you really need to build up and bulk up your division are kind of lacking. Yeah. And that's the situation that for a company that is charging as much as they are for Mm pay-per-views, it's difficult to try justifying buying them if you're not stacking like a card that you're not going on paper and going... Oh, this is gonna be a no-brainer. This well, and especially when the, like this card, it was like only four fights on the main card, right? Because at the time, because they had to move a couple, right. a couple around, but still, like that's the situation you run into. Like if I, if I'm doing the math about this, in my opinion, right? 
all right, is this going to justify me spending X amount of money to watch this? Well, especially when there is overlap with other sports that are pay-per-views, such as pro wrestling. And mm-hmm. if you got a, and if you got somebody who, or a household that's a UFC fan, you know, a, a AEW fan, a GCW fan, where it's like, okay, you got eighty dollars. You got and, and if, like I said, things are expensive as they are. Hello, just look at the price of you know stuff in the world. You know, yeah. enough said. But you got to make a choice between you know budgeting. Your weekly, your weekly expenses, your monthly expenses, and then you got to find time. Okay, we've only got X number of dollars. Do we want to spend it on the AEW card? Do we want to spend it on the GCW, the you know the GCW bundle package that they usually do for mm-hmm. the weekends, or do we want to do it for UFC? That's that's the choice. Yeah, and that's something the UFC needs to look at, especially going into this card because. For what they put together on paper, it would look very solid. Oh, yeah. For what we got out of the matches. Yeah, not so much. A little lackluster, in my opinion, but a little one-sided. But it's nothing against the matchmaking of the UFC. It's just the problem that you have now these elite fighters that need a reason for people to watch them fight because there is a significant drop-off in skill level, in my opinion. But that being said, ODPH Society, we turn it over to you. What is your takeaways from UFC 276? What fights do you think we are going to see from the fallout of this? We definitely want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. My name is JT. What's up, everyone? I'm Darren. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Josh. Hey, guys. I'm Christian. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Dominic, and we're the East Coast Avengers. We're a group of five friends who get together weekly and talk about everything that's going on in the nerd universe. Whether you're a fan of Marvel, DC, Star Wars, video games, comics, or anything else nerdy that you can think of, we're the podcast for you. You can find us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever streaming platform you use to listen to your favorite podcasts on. You can also catch us on our YouTube channel where we release tons of content such as vlogs, unboxings, TV and movie recaps, and trailer reactions. So if those things sound good to you, then check out the East Coast Avengers podcast. We hope you enjoy. Coming back for another segment of this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and let's talk some pro wrestling, shall we? Such good shit. So this past weekend from Las Vegas Vegas, was the WWE's Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Money, 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 money. Yes, where they decided to go head-to-head with the UFC in probably a very uh, rare miscue on the business side of things. Bum, 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 bum. Because originally the event was supposed to take a place at Allegiant Stadium, and, well, you're not going to go up against the UFC. Clearly the decision was made before Jeff Jarrett was put in charge of live events. Yes, allegedly. Allegedly. Because they had to move the event to the MGM Grand. Yeah. So let's talk about those matches, Pat. Yeah, so uh, no matches on the pre-show. So the card opened up with the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match, uh, which had Alexa Bliss, Asuka, Becky Lynch, uh, Lacey Evans, Liv Morgan, Raquel Rodriguez, and Shotzi all taking place, where the winner, of course, uh, who was able to ascend the ladder, pull down the briefcase, which inside contained a quote-unquote contract opportunity for a championship match anytime, anywhere, anyplace uh, of the woman's choice. Uh, And you had Liv Morgan emerge victorious in 16 minutes and 29 seconds to become Ms. Money in the Bank. Really enjoyed this match. Um, only a couple of miscues. Yeah. And, and, and listen, I'm just going to make a quick editorial. Mm-hmm. If you're bitching about Shotzi and the work she did in this match, she was fine. Who has now deleted her Twitter because of all the crap she's been catching. Yeah. Stop. Stop. I, I'm sorry. You I can you can be critical and have your own opinions, of whether you liked it, you didn't like it, or whatever. Don't go at them over it. There's a lot of stuff going into it that 
stuff gets messed up, stuff, whatever. Don't go after them about it. Yeah, it was it was a very disheartening thing to see that the uh, internet wrestling yeah. community yeah. Uh, had some people decide to go that route again. And yeah. uh, we seriously, if you're if you're doing that stuff, turn off this po- uh, podcast and go somewhere else. I don't want to talk to you. Interestingly, should note uh, the match was produced by Tyson Kidd, who's been doing a lot of women's matches uh, in the last couple of years. Also, Molly Holly. Yeah, which was awesome to see. Also, Kenny Dykstra. I thought, thought that was cool. No, it definitely was cool, and they definitely made the right call, in my opinion, because I thought when Becky Lynch got added to this match, yeah, all signs were going to say Becky was going to win, yeah, but they gave it to the person who deserved it the most. In oh, my absolutely. Opinion. Liv Morgan has been putting in work since the dissolvement of the Riot Squad. Yep, she has been getting consistently better. She, yeah, and I don't want to say like she was the people's champion, right? But she has won over the crowd of the WWE, which if you put that work in, they will appreciate you, and they will definitely get behind you. And this is where the wave of momentum came for. Well, and you just want to look back at where she's come from. Like you said, being a part of the Riot Squad, and, and I, want, I want to say kind of being like the Joker uh, personality of that group. Mm-hmm. You know, the wild card, kind of hard to predict. And then going from they split that up, and then she had the whole angle with, with Lana and uh. her. You know, going from that angle to now she's winning money in the bank and being Ms. Money in the Bank shows you how much work she's been putting in. Yeah, she had this stretch where she was always in those title matches, could never close out. Yeah. And then they just stopped her momentum. And now they finally came back to it and they made the right call letting her win the match. So completely all right with this, like I say. Yeah. And especially with ladder matches, not everything goes right in them, let alone nope. in a money in the bank. <laughs> nope. I mean, I'm surprised not more people are complaining about Becky Lynch overshooting the ladder spot on the outside. Hey, shit happens. But it happens. That's, yeah. that's the whole point. So, like I say, it was just... It's live TV. It's live TV. It, stuff goes wrong, but it just depends on how they rebound it, and they did fine. That's yeah. why they're the WWE people. Yep. Uh, next up was for the United States Championship, where you had Theory defending his belt against Bobby Lashley, and you had Bobby Lashley emerge victorious, submitting theory in uh, 11 minutes even yeah kind of surprised at this one a little bit um until the end of the night and it kind of a little made more yeah. sense but austin theory has been the star in the making mm-hmm. for the wwe yeah obviously the people behind the scenes are very high on him as they should be the kid works he is definitely embraced oh, yeah. the heel role. oh yeah he plays the heel brilliantly yeah so it made perfect sense for him to go into this match i was just surprised that uh, Lashley was going to win. Yeah. I'm excited to see where they go with this. Could be good. It could be good. And obviously, Theory moved on to bigger and better things as the night progressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up was for the Raw Women's Championship. And you had Bianca Belair defending her belt against Carmella. Uh, and you had Bianca emerge victorious, pinning Carmella in 7 minutes and 11 seconds. Well, this was a situation under the circumstances with Rhea Ripley being injured. Yep. You kind of had to plug and play a little bit. Yeah, and and I'll be honest, I wasn't that thrilled about the match. I was like, all right, it should be good, but you know, Carmella's never wowed me. She's good. She's a good wrestler. Don't get me wrong, but I've never seen her on a card and gone, all right, yeah, you know, that match is going to be amazing. Potential match of the match of the night candidate. It was better than I thought it was going to be. Well, the one thing that we consistently forget about mm-hmm. is as much as we praise Liv Morgan, we got to give credit to Carmella too. Yeah, that's true. She's definitely stepped her game up too, and I know that we discussed this a little more in depth on six or seven TWS this week. Carmella is now in that situation of a Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. That you yeah. can plug and play yeah. her into any storyline, and it works, and she's not somebody that needs the belt, even though she's had it, mm-hmm. but it's a situation that if you need a quick fix for a storyline, if you don't have anything going on with her, mm-hmm. you can immediately put her in the match. It is a believable storyline to get you yeah. through to the next show. Yeah. 
And then after that, you go on and do something else. So this one didn't surprise me. I want to say this is the most predictable match of the night. Yeah, I think so. Because they were setting up all things going towards WrestleMania, or, uh, SummerSlam. Yeah. And, and I got to say, the commentary with Corey Graves on commentary, hilarious and not overbearing at all. Yes. I, like, I was afraid of that once because, of course, if, in case you don't know, hey, peek behind kayfabe, they're married. Yes. You know, so I thought it might be because of the way... Uh, Corey Graves can be sometimes. It might be a little overbearing, might be a little annoying. Not at all the case. You know, especially he had the one point where the match was over and she lost. He goes, well, well now what am I going to do with, all, you know, the seven bottles of Don Perignon in the hotel room? Yeah. I was I, like, oh, that's good. I love the insurance comment, too, he made, too. Yeah. She's not, in the yeah, insurance yet. she's not on my insurance yet. Yeah, it was perfectly played out. For yeah, that. it was. Uh, next up was the uh, matchup for the uh, Raw Tag Team Championships and the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. I think they're just called the Unified Tag Team yeah. Championships now. Uh, between the Usos, that's Jimmy and Jay Uso, taking on the Street Profits and Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford. And he had the Usos emerge victorious, pinning the Street Profits in 23 minutes and one second. And let me just say one word. God damn. Match of the year candidate. We often forget that WWE can do tag team wrestling when they want to. I know it's not a big focal point mm-hmm. of their their programming, yeah, for, for reasons. Their 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 tag team division lacking in certain aspects, but when they got they got the right two together, oh shit! Well, you you have the Usos who are in that talk of best tag team currently in the business. Oh yeah, and the Street Profits are such a good team that when they finally get a chance and an opportunity like this with people that are on their level, mm-hmm. they can really put on some great stories. And, uh-huh. and this is one of those matches that you legitimately didn't know how it was going to go. No. And the fact that the Usos retained, not super shocked at. No, but it looks like they're going to run it back at SummerSlam now. Yeah, which, which I'm, hey, I'm all right with. I'm all right with it, too, because I know the big rumor going into the matches, they were supposed to have a stipulation. There was a rumor of that for Friday, yeah. Yeah, I'm wondering if they're going to do something that the uh, Street Profits have to break up if they don't, if they don't oh, win so the title. Oh, so the Usos might at first go like, oh, no, we don't need to. We gave you an opportunity, blah, blah, blah. But finally they relent to go, all right, listen, we'll give you an opportunity, but with a stipulation added on. Yeah. Yeah, that could be. I mean, they haven't done that storyline in a while, so that would be something I think that would fit. And then you, That could be. Then you kind of see where they go from there because Montez Ford is definitely looking <laughs> like he's getting ready for a singles run. Jesus, the man is shredded. And I will say this, too. Angelo Dawkins could make a fine, fine single superstar, too. Oh, he could. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that, Absolutely. I think that he kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit because yeah. everybody focuses on Montez because his yeah. charisma is just pouring out God. all over the place. yeah. But Dawkins is entertaining, too. So, like yeah, I say, you give him a chance, I think he could definitely run with it. Absolutely. Uh, next up was for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team, or SmackDown Women's Championship, excuse me, where you had Ronda Rousey uh, taking on Natalia, uh, and you had Ronda Rousey emerge victorious, submitting Natalia in 12 minutes and 33 seconds. Well, this one had a lot of a, uh, personal shots. Oh, yeah, I would say probably uh, kind of hard to say what was real and what was fake, but... Entertaining match, nevertheless. Mm-hmm. Um, good match. Good match. Yeah, like I say, well, Natalia is always very solid, whoever she's in the ring with. Mm-hmm. And Ronda has improved in her time in WWE. Yep. And then we got the ending I think everybody wanted because yeah. Ronda was selling her knee injury from being the sharpshooter. Yep. And, and, you know. Hard-hitting match. Yep, hard-hitting match. And then all of a sudden Liv Morgan came in to cash yep. after she said she was going to wait and think about it. And Well, and, and, and funny story, Ariel Helwani was there for this, for BT Sports, and not at UFC. 
he that's interesting he had it spoiled and he didn't realize it till later in the night so he was doing i think it might i think it was either twitter or it was some video i saw him do but he was backstage doing interviews and he just got done interviewing bobby lashley and was talking to lashley and he saw Liv standing there and of course Liv had been on before and he wanted to interview Liv because she just won Ms. Money in the Bank. Mm-hmm. And he asked one of the folks for WWE working working for WWE, hey, because BT Sport not affi- not affiliated with WWE right. like Fox Sports isn't. You know, so he asked one of the people working there, hey, can I go can we interview Liv Morgan for, you know, an interview segment? And the person looked at him and goes, No, sorry, she's busy. And he looked he just took it at a surface level, but he still thought well, why is she busy? She just had a match. Oh, whatever. So he technically had the result for later in the night spoiled. He just didn't put two and two together. That's interesting. I thought that was funny. That is very, very funny. Well, Liv kind of tipped it off, though, too. Yeah, she did. At the beginning, because when she came out for the Money in the Bank, you, like, you saw the emo- the emotion start pouring oh, out of her face. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the fact that she got in there, cashed in, they I will say this, they pulled a great swerve. Yeah. Because when she went for a kick and Ronda put her in the ankle lock, I'm uh-huh. like, oh, don't you dare do this. I thought the same thing. I was sitting here watching with Dog. Yeah. And he was losing it. I was watching with my girlfriend, Liz, and, and she cashed in, got put in the ankle lock, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 don't do this, don't do this. Yeah. Because for Liv, who's worked so hard to get yeah. to this status, yeah. to have it get taken away like that, that would just been cruel. Like, mm-hmm. like just for a storyline purpose, because she's definitely won everybody over. Mm-hmm. And then you can even tell at the end, too. Yeah. She got the pin on Ronda. Yep. And then Ronda kind of gave her the acknowledgement. Like, and I think it was Ronda's idea to to give it up to her. Yeah. I, I th- I th- or something to that effect. I thought I read in a couple places that it was like Ronda's idea to do that, which I'm like, hey. Good for you, because I guess her and Ronda are, are good friends. Well, I think that Ronda now coming around that second time in WWE has gotten a little bit wiser. Sure. And I think that she really understands to the degree of, mm-hmm. you know what? It's not about you. It's not about me. We don't need to really have everything focused about me. Let me do the right thing. And she and, can, and she can, she's, let's face it, she's one of the, if not the most popular, well-known female faces in that company oh yeah say what say what you will about charlotte and and becky and bianca and insert any other female wrestler's name on there i would argue ronda is the top of that list you know she i think she finally realizes i can use my platform because let's face it people are going to turn out to see me people are going to tune in to see me i can use my platform and my opportunity to elevate some of these women that i see and see deserve it and you know what? For Ronda, she's on that Lesnar level of she doesn't need a storyline. She can just no. walk in and say she's Ronda Rousey Pretty and, much. Get the, and get the title shot. So for her to give such you know generosity to live and let her have that moment, definitely sold the pin. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to run it back at SummerSlam. If they did, it'd be weird though. It'd be weird if they did. Like I'd understand it, but it'd be weird considering they just hugged it out at the end of the match, and now all of a sudden you're going to turn them into like, oh, I got to beat your ass. Well, it could be just you know let you have that moment. And now I've got clarity. Yeah. But you know though, I, I don't think we're going to see Ronda at SummerSlam. To be honest with you, no, well, I don't think so. I got a feeling we're going to see the one and only Bailey back. Ooh. And it'll be Liz and Bailey. It'll be about about a year. Yeah. Uh, any any week now. Yeah. Yeah. So Liv and Bailey would be the match to do there. So I'm I'm, I'm, I'm good I'm with that. With that. Uh, and then finally, for the main event, was the men's Money in the Bank ladder match uh, with the opportunity for a championship match anytime, anywhere, any place of the winner's choosing. And the announced for portion was Drew McIntyre, Madcap Moss, Almost, Riddle, Sami Zayn, Seth freaking Rollins, and Sheamus uh, were supposed to take place, but 
in, in in eerie reminiscence of WrestleMania 33, I think it was. Was that the one in Florida? I think mm, I think so. I believe so. Where went to start the match, Adam Pearce then came out and said, "Hey, you know what? Tonight's been such a good night, and it's Vegas, so why don't we up the ante a little bit? Mm-hmm. We're gonna add someone else to the match." And I'm sitting on the edge of my seat, Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes. Yeah. Cody Rhodes. And I'm sure I wasn't the only person doing that. I was doing the same thing with you. And he goes, and now for the, our, our final entrant into the match, Theory. And I went, oh, God damn it. Well, it makes sense for storyline. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the one thing we got to remember, that Mr. Mister McMahon has said the new chosen one is Theory. Yep. And the minute he lost the belt, we should have figured it was going to be him. I was holding out hope it was Cody Rhodes, because my whole idea was Cody was just going to come out. Somebody's gonna knock the briefcase off. He'll go into his hands. He disappears and cashes in. See, I was even hoping. For, I was even hoping for something like Lesnar a couple years ago, where Lesnar wasn't even in the damn match. He just walked out. The briefcase got dropped. He picked it up and left. Yeah. See, I thought they would do something like that, but the fact they added theory and it makes sense. I mean, yeah, the yeah. one the one thing that a lot of fans might not get is the kid is doing the right thing, mm-hmm. embracing the heel role, mm-hmm. ran with it as far as he can, got himself in this position, Yeah, love it or hate it, he means he's putting in that work. Well, and I didn't realize it until Rich said it in our group chat that he's Seth Rollins 2.0. Oh, absolutely. When After Rollins left the shield, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, just sit back and think about it, folks. Seth Rollins, after he broke up with the shield and, and joined the authority and bought in, quote-unquote, He's he's Seth Rollins with the authority, minus the authority, and minus well, he, he still technically got the authority. He's got Mister McMahon behind mm-hmm. him, but he's minus the muscle. You know, he doesn't he doesn't have the Randy Ortons and the Canes and the Bagal Jamie Noble and, and the Joey Mercury's. You know, yeah. doing his dirty work. He's and I and I read what Rich said. He go called Rich calling him Seth Rollins two point and I thought about it and I went like, you know what, you're right, and, and I love it. It's a smart play, especially they want to get him to that next level. And, and it's working. It's working completely because when he t- turns out to be the winner of the match, the internet lost its mind. Uh-huh. And granted, I was disappointed because for character storyline purposes, I was hoping it was Cody. So did I. But you know what? I'm not mad he got it. I'm interested to see now the storyline that's going to happen because of it. Uh-huh. Because I'm sure that he'll tease that he'll cash in on Roman. Oh, yeah. And I think that he will cash in at some point, maybe, just maybe, if Roman decides to lose to Drew McIntyre. Right. And I could see, because they do have that card going on over in the United Kingdom. Clash at the castle. Yes. Where I think I truly think that Drew's going to win there. Or he's going to do enough damage to Roman that Roman is uh, a bit incapacitated. And this is when Theory goes to cash in. Because the match itself was very good, I thought. Um, oh yeah, I thought Matt Riddle was the MVP of this. Riddle was absolutely the MVP. Sami Zayn, all I would put co MVP. Yep, he was up there. Madcap Moss had a great outing. He's got to get a new gimmick though. Madcap Moss impressed me. I will say, don't care for the gimmick, but in terms of the in ring work, impressed the shit out of me. Yeah, I, I don't know who you got to pair him with, but you got to him with somebody, and you got to just—he's got to just lose the Madcap completely, go back to Riddick, um, I'm, and let him run with it. But he's definitely putting a lot of work that. You gotta give him his credit. Like this match didn't go off without a hitch, too. Uh, very cool table spot with Olmos. Oh yeah, and and Super Media Bros and I were having a discussion once the match started. Super Media Bros tweeted, "I wish they all would have pounced Theory when the bell rang." To which I replied, "At least he deserved a claymore." Yes. Like I would have loved to see something like even even like a, a bro kick from Sheamus, you know, or something just right off the bat, knock his ass out. He could still win the match, but like, hey, we're really pissed off. You're in here right now. 
Boom. I thought it was going to be a Daniel Pewter moment. Oh, no. Uh, if I, I, God, yeah, I think it's his name, Pewter. It's been a while since I've had to say that name on there, so I apologize for uh, messing that up. But listen, uh, go back in the time and uh, check that in the Royal Rumble, I believe. And you'll kind of get the vibe I was going to go with for that. That's what I thought was going to happen. But at the end of the day, Theory wins. The face that they're going to make run the place uh-huh. got the title shot. Now, is he going to cash in and win it? That's uh-huh. eh, going to be the mystery that we are going to have to wait and see how he does. Yeah, and we do have one more thing. Didn't take place on the card. Took place after the card. Break it down. Uh, so that was after the car, after the show was over and done with. Uh, they had the little graphic go up. Uh, Pat McAfee was attacked by the one and only Happy Corbin after the after the show was over because they've been feuding the last couple of weeks on SmackDown. Uh, Pat McAfee calling him bum ass Corbin, mm. which I fucking love. Uh, Corbin attacked him, uh, beat the holy hell out of him. So that's why you see the photo from uh, UFC. Pat McAfee's in the neck brace. He's selling the injury from Corbin. Uh, but announced for some one of the matches announced for SummerSlam, Pat McAfee versus Happy Corbin in a singles match. I'm here for it. I am too. Pat McAfee's great in the ring. McAfee's great in the ring. Yeah, and like I say, for anybody complaining about the celebrities making the crossover, WWE has taken their time to make mm-hmm. sure they got the right people to come in. You, you think of the last couple of celebrities that have come in between him, Bad Bunny, you know, Logan Paul. Mm-hmm. You could say that, and this is wild to say, considering this person's stature and what the person has done, the worst one of the bunch that's been in the last few years is maybe Tyson Fury. Yeah. <laughs> Which is wild. It's crazy to think about, but it's true. And to see now that they're having that crossover success, yeah, that's going to help them long term. Oh, yeah. You're not going to beat the UFC on International Fight Week, though, so that's the major football they had this week. Yeah. But overall, Money in the Bank was a solid card. Very much worth the watch. Yeah, I have to say, the Usos and Street Profits is in a match of the year candidate. Match of the night and in match of the year conversation. Yeah, you definitely have to give them their flowers about that because they definitely brought it. A lot of storylines coming out from this, so we definitely want to talk to you about this ODPH Society. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your takeaways from WWE's Money in the Bank pay-per-view? Oh, I'm sorry, premium event. I need to correct it. Uh, it is what premium it is. event <laughs> pay-per-view. And definitely, if you want more pro wrestling content from the 607 Podcast family, check out 607TWS, on tw- uh, not on Twitch this week, only on podcast form, and on ODPHpodcast.com. Blogs count anywhere. We're going to be uh, taking a quick break. We'll be right back. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. Now I'm JVD. We're your host of the Fictional Battle Podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on TheVillainsDemand.com. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we had to save the best for last. Yeah, we did. Because when we went off air last week, mm-hmm. all hell broke loose in Brooklyn. Like within a day. Yeah. Yeah. That all of a sudden we were like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. Things are getting crazy, obviously. Steve and I chose like the worst week to go on vacation. Uh-huh, because NBA free agency has now gone into full swing. Yep. And we were kind of going, all right, how is this all going to play out? Because last we talked, Kyrie was opting back into Brooklyn after mm-hmm. he was trying to get a sign-and-trade to go anywhere. We were like a solid 24. Like when the episode came out, I think we were like just under 24 hours from when players had to indicate whether they were committing to opting in or opting out for their player options. And then we were still a couple of days removed 
from when free agency actually began. So it was that kind of like weird in between where like you hear rumors of deals and but nothing can be official, and then it kind of gets involved with tampering if if it gets messy. So we were like that weird void between worlds kind of thing. Yes, and since that point. The drama in Brooklyn oh boy. has dominated all of the NBA free agency. So yeah. we'll get to like the the more important moves first, and then we're going to be uh, talking about Katie and Kyrie yeah. and, and the love of the city, so to yeah. speak. So, Pat, let's break it down. Yeah, so uh, one of the ones we wanted to talk about, uh, just specifically because fucking why, uh, mm-hmm. Zion Williamson agreed to a five-year, $193 million maximum rookie extension with the New Orleans, New Orleans excuse me, Pelicans. Uh, the deal could, uh, according to an article from ESPN.com, quote, the deal could earn him as much as $231 million. Uh, Williamson averaged 25.7 points, seven rebounds, and 30.2 assists during his first two NBA seasons, but he missed all of last season with a foot injury. Uh, listen, the dude when healthy, I'm sure is worth that much money, but the dude hasn't been healthy for a full season like ever. You're buying hope. Yeah, you are. And that's a costly thing to do if you're a business organization. Zion, listen, I will tell you, when he came out from Duke, I was hoping he wound up going to the Knicks. Mm-hmm. The dream was there. But since he's been in New Orleans, it has not exactly gone in that direction. Yeah. So that is a lot of money to bank on somebody that, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. can't get on the court. Yeah. So I understand you're buying into, like, maybe it'll turn around, maybe it'll come through, but... I think this is a bad move by the Pelicans. I, I think so, too. I really do. I think so, too. Uh, also, just scrolling through some of the free agency moves, thought this was interesting because I hadn't heard it. Uh, the Detroit Pistons signed former Syracuse guard Buddy Beheim to a two-way contract. Hey, good for him. Sound guy galore JR is salivating right now. Oh, I'm sure. Because he was the guy that he was – there was an off-air bet yeah. going that he went Tebow again. He oh, said he was. No. He called his shot saying, Buddy Beheim's going to be a New York Nick. Oh, no. And I was like, it's not happening. I said, I will get a jersey if he, if he becomes a Nick. Thank you, Detroit. Yeah. You've done your thing. If he gets traded by now, I am not required to get one. So, but I like. Hey, good for him. I mean, good for him. Sure, I, I hope for some. Like, I'm not expecting him to, like, go down in the annals of NBA history as, like, the greatest player of all time. But, like, given the recent track record of Syracuse basketball players being a Syracuse basketball fan, I want to see some moderate success because the collegiate program, pretty decent players. But once they get to the pros, though, well, that's a whole other story. Whole different ball of wax right there. But, yeah. you know what? Like, I'm just saying, I'm happy I don't, I'm yeah. not seeing him in the garden unless he's taken on the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, also of note, uh, the Utah Jazz traded center Rudy Gobert to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, according to an article from ESPN.com, quote, the Timberwolves are sending Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Walker Kessler, Jared Vanderbilt, and Leandro uh, Balmaro to the Jazz for Gobert. Utah will also get unprotected first-round picks from the Wolves in 2023, 2025, 2027, and a top-five protected pick in 2029. God damn. For what defense? Yeah, like literally, that's that's that is what you're giving up for a defensive player. I'm sorry, he's not a guy that's going to drop fifty a night. Mm-hmm. Well, something weird's going on in Utah, and I don't know what it is. I know Brian Windhorse on ESPN kind of alluded to it. I think it was last week or so. You look up on there. You look up on YouTube. Brian Windhorse, uh, uh, Utah Jazz. Something weird's going on in Utah that a lot of executives are picking up on. That like you know, and it started with they made a trade with the Brooklyn Nets. That it was like a salary dump, and I think they're like, "Wait, why are you why are you doing a salary dump?" Something weird's going on in, in Utah, I don't, and I don't know what it is. Well, you know, I think it is in a weird sense. It's kind of echoing what's going on in Brooklyn. 
Mm, maybe. I, I think that you have a lot of players unhappy for reasons. I don't exactly know why, so I'm not going to say there's a specific plan in place. Yeah. But I think that what you have now is other teams in that division have gotten better, mm-hmm. and it seems like you're happy hanging on the sidelines. Right. And to be honest with you, I think that you're seeing a lot of that, and I think that you might see another big move happen there. Could be. But I think that at the end of the day, I think you're just having players getting frustrated that in their opinions, and this is only just me making an observation. Sure. I, I sure. don't have any insider information. Sure. But just outside looking in, I think that they're just taking a look at how the L.A. teams are stacking up. Oh, yeah. You're seeing how Denver is looking. You're seeing Dallas yeah. make moves. You're seeing yeah. Golden State still be in the mix. So what are you doing to bounce back from that? Right. And it's a whole hell of a lot of nothing. So getting some trades here and there for picks, I mean, it's great and all, but it ain't going to make you contend any quicker. No. Uh, also of note, where was it? There it is. Uh, John Wall officially agreed to sign with the LA Clippers on a two-way, two-year deal uh, for the taxpayer mid-level. According to ESPN's Tim McMahon, uh, the deal is worth $13.5 million. So, hey, good for him. Uh, also of note, Zach Levine agreed to a five-year, $215 million max contract to return to the Chicago Bulls. Uh, there, uh, The fifth year is a player option, so hey, good for him. Decent, mm-hmm. Good, decent player, I would say. Yeah, that definitely works. I mean, if John Wall can recapture some of that magic, yeah. that's the big thing. He can't do any worse out in the Clippers as he's no. done since he's left Washington. No. So, I mean... I understand this move. I, I'm okay with this. I think that you got a lot of potential. This is a low-risk, high-reward. Yeah. Uh, of New York Knicks note, free agent center Mitchell Robinson agreed on a four-year, $60 million contract to stay with the New York Knicks. Uh, his agents, Thad Foucher and Joe Smith, told ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. Well, the curse is over. Yeah, I was going to say, they finally re-signed a rookie to his second contract. Taking baby steps. It's all baby <laughs> steps. Coming back. No, this move makes a lot of sense. I mean, Robinson does fit into Thibodeau's uh, schemes a little better. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's it's a smart move for them, and it's it's saying we're trying to build something here with the Knicks. Now, granted, I don't even know what it is anymore. Ain't I mean, much. we signed Jalen Brunson, which uh, is a solid move. Yeah. Overpaid, in my opinion. But yeah. I hope he makes me eat my words. I really do. I just think that they spent way too much money on... But that's what you get a lot of times with these free agents. Yeah. And I'm, granted, I'm not mad about players getting paid. But what I'm saying is, you're not going to get that superstar level of a LeBron, of a Giannis... No. ...out of everybody. And the fact that you're throwing around max contracts like it's candy, it, it's a little alarming. Mm-hmm. Because do I think Brunson was a max contract guy? No. No. But could he prove me wrong? I think he's going to have to, especially if you're making that much in the garden yeah. and you're not showing up. you got to deliver. That's going to be the biggest problem that they got. Yep. So now the question is, especially for the Knicks, they still got a lock of RJ yep. Barrett. Yep. I know he wants a max deal. Yep. I don't, To be honest, I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's definitely got some games that he shows a lot of flashes of brilliance. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me, as outside watching in, he takes a hell of a long time to start up mm-hmm. and usually get something out of him in the third and fourth quarter, but by that time it could be garbage points. Yeah, pretty much. So pick your poison. Yeah. But the Knicks, I think, will be involved in some other deals, though, before it's all said and done. Could be. Uh, also of note, Gary Payton II, who was with the Golden State Warriors, is joining the Portland Trailblazers, that according to his agent Aaron Goodwin. Uh, Payton uh, was with the Golden State Warriors, as I mentioned, is signing with the Blazers on a three-year, $28 million deal. So, hey, got that ring. Now he's getting that bag. 
Makes sense. You know what? Golden State is is doing a lot of interesting stuff. So yeah. Peyton gets paid to go somewhere. Hey, you got his ring like you talked about, yeah. so you can't be mad about that. Uh, the Phoenix Suns made some moves. Uh, they signed Devin Booker to a four-year, $224 million Supermax extension. That according to his agents, Jessica Holtz and Melvin Booker, uh, who told that to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. The deal begins in 2024, the 2024-25 season, and brings Booker's total contract value to six years and $295 million. Smartest move in the entire free agency here. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Phoenix is Booker's team. Yep. So if you let him go for whatever reason, that would have been foolish to lock him up long-term like you did. Like, he's a guy that deserves a max deal. So you oh, know absolutely. What? Not mad about that deal at all. It's like the same thing with John Morant there down yeah. in Memphis. yeah. Those are your franchise guys. Pay them. Yeah. So. Yeah, like you mentioned, also of no, John Morant uh, signed a four-year designated rookie extension, uh, likely worth two hundred and twenty-six million. This, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, so that makes all the sense in the world for them. Also of no, this this to me was probably like the least surprising move of the entire free agency thus far. Uh, the Denver Nuggets and Nikola Jokic uh, have agreed to terms on a five-year, $264 million Supermax extension, that according to Woj. Uh, listen, he's the two-time reigning most valuable player. That was the one that, I, like, a lot of times I see these numbers, I go, oh, wow, that's a lot. I'm like, nah, dude's back-to-back reigning MVP. Yeah. It makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, this one was the biggest no-brainer of, yeah. of them all. Yeah, uh, and then also of note, uh, you had the Minnesota Timberwolves and Anthony Ta- Carl Anthony Towns agreed to a four-year, $224 million Supermax extension. That, according to his agent, uh, the deal begins in the 2024-25 season and delivers Towns' total contract value to six years and $295 million. Makes a lot of sense there, too. Absolutely. But now, I think it's time. Mm-hmm. So we have to get into the love affair that is Brooklyn... KD and Kyrie. Can you call it a love affair anymore? Well, see, here's where everything kind of went crazy. Kyrie opts in yep. as we went off air last week. Yep. So not super surprised because you're leaving $35 million up yep. in the air. Like, I'm sorry, that would have been foolish on any standard. Right. Well, it was. It broke like the day before we recorded. You know, there was kind of speculation. Would he, won't he? You know, he'd be, you know, there was rumors and speculation he wanted to go to the Lakers, but they'd only be able to give him a $6 million mid-level exception, mid-level contract. He'd be leaving $30 million on the table. Would he do that? And everyone's like, well, he just left $17 million on the table for the stuff last year. Oh, Willie, won't he? Opted in, so we're like, okay, he's committed. Brooklyn's got their guys. They're going to go forward. They're going to try and make this work. We'll fucking see. Mm-hmm. And then the dams broke. Yep, because then immediately after, it felt like. It was the, it was the next morning. Yeah. It was, Wednesday, Ru- it was Wednesday morning. Rumors broke. Kevin Durant wants out of Brooklyn. Yep. So now the love affair of we're going to put this together, we're going to make this work, mm-hmm. completely got thrown out the window. Yeah. So KD now officially went on the market and said he wants to go somewhere. And and it's not he didn't go to the Steve Nash, he didn't go to the GM, he went to the owner according to reports. Yeah, so he skipped everybody to uh-huh. say he wanted out. Yep. And then there was the report, well Kyrie and KD still want to play together. Mhm. You know, and they're trying to force their hand to go to either Miami or Phoenix. But smart on those two organizations because they did not cater to anybody's no. wants. No. Because the deal was going to not include uh, Devin Booker, and Phoenix was like, you can hang up the phone right now. We're done. Right. And then I forgot what they were trying to get out of Miami, but... The only thing I know with Miami was they couldn't get Bam because if you if you try... Because I know Brian Windhorst was breaking it down on ESPN because ESPN, it was the day... It was on... Thir- no, this was on Thursday. This all broke. 
because ESPN was supposed to start their free agency coverage at like 4.30 Eastern or something like mm-hmm. that. But they, you know, they, they upended the programming and came on an hour early because of all this. And there, and it was rumored that Miami was one of the teams Durant wanted to go for, go to, which Miami's got the players that, you know, to trade with, with Brooklyn, you know, to make it happen with Durant. But like, I know one of the ones they couldn't tra- I think they could trade was bam out of bio because for some reason with the way the, the contract, like so some reason with the way the rules work, with rookie extensions and you can only have so many on a certain team, like it'd make it impossible. It, it's messy. It's messy. And I just think that Pat Riley didn't want any part of this headache down there. Cause, oh, hell I mean, no. Cause let's face it. Kyrie, you can't trust. Nope. Sorry. I mean, that's my opinion. You can't really trust knowing what he's going to do. If he's going to stay or is he going to go Kyrie on South beach? You really can't trust. Yeah. Obviously if KD is immediately responding, he wants out of Brooklyn mm-hmm. after his self picked teammate. Yep. Opted back in when the and when the reports started coming out that you know let's not forget what Kyrie said after the after the they got swept by Brook by uh, Boston uh, we're gonna sit down with Joe Sy and, and we're gonna figure this all out we're gonna put our heads together and get this figured out according to reports Kyrie and Katie ain't talked all off season oh, I'm sure because I'm sure like listen what they probably don't want to say is. Kevin Durant's pissed. I think so. And I understand why. I, th- I think so. I think he got sold a story and a line of, hey, we both want the same thing. Why don't we go there and get it? We'll we'll, we'll, jo- we'll join force together. We'll win a championship without a, without a ton of superstars helping us and making us seem like, oh, we can't do it without them. And then it didn't happen, obviously. But he got sold a line of shit. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the whole problem that they got. But this is a situation now that you may you made your bed, you gotta lie in it. Yeah, pretty much. So you guys might get stuck together this entire next season. And can it's you, possible. And at this stage, I don't want to trust you about winning anything. I'm gonna take my usual Brooklyn bias aside. You're gonna try telling me that you guys are gonna mend fences after this is how, so public that you both want out because you can't stand playing with each other. Let's be honest about it. That's how it's reading to me. You don't sit there and you don't say, Okay, I want a media trade after my teammate Ops in. Mm-hmm. And then you want to say, well, we'll go play together somewhere else. Really? You're given whatever you wanted in Brooklyn. You're the inmates yeah. running the asylum. So you're, you're what, the case example. So what are you going to say about going to another team? Hell, you want to go to the Western Conference? Good luck. Yeah, that's not going to fly there. I mean, you can't handle the East. You couldn't get out of the first round. What are you going to do now? I'm sorry. First, first and out to Golden State, which rumor had it was interested about bringing you back. There's, there's rumors. Yeah, which I mean, I just I look at it like this: Kevin Durant's a hell of a talent. I'm going to say this first and foremost. But if you're an organization that is going to let him run rough shot like he did in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. how are you going to get anywhere? You're not. Because I'm sorry, this is what I'm seeing watching that you had two players with egos mm-hmm. that can't mesh in the in the biggest media market in the world. Yep. This, this is these are the guys that came into town, declared themselves the kings of New York. Mm-hmm. We, oh, we're we're the kings of basketball in New York. Nobody wants to, nobody likes the Knicks anymore. It's all about Brooklyn. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. And then what the fuck did they do? They won one playoff series in 3 years? Yeah, they made a run but they couldn't close. Yeah. Sorry, like, and you can try spinning it X, Y, and Z, but listen, it still spells out the same words. Failed. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sorry. an utter failure. And, and 
the second utter failure in like 10 plus years from the Brooklyn front office, because let's not forget the debacle when they traded for Garnett, mm-hmm. Joe Johnson and, and Paul Pierce. Yeah. And how fucking far back that set them. Yeah, exactly. Like this is a, an organization, in my opinion, that just doesn't get it. And now you're stuck with what you made because are you going to get traded? Listen, there's only a couple teams that I think could make a crazy deal that you might get some kind of equal value for. Well, and the rumor is for Durant alone. Now, this isn't without include with this is without including Kyrie. Uh, reports and rumors are that the Brooklyn is looking for a first or not a first, multiple first round picks, and then also an All Star level player. Which that's going to be a real short list of uh, teams that have that available. Oh, I agree. Because I, I think it's going to take, take something on the level of Gobert getting traded to get Durant because Durant, better player than Gobert. I think Brooklyn's going to look at that and go, yeah, anyone want a reference of what we want for Durant? Start with that. Well, of course. Go, Gobert, who's not even on that level, sorry, got four first-round picks. What do you think Durant's going to get? A lot six, more than that. Six-plus, couple second-rounders, and then you'll get a couple uh, players to offset it. Yeah. That's all you're going to get out of this. Like, is it possible? Yes, it is. Is some team really willing to do it? Mm-hmm. I mean, who's on the cusp that you really could try making that deal for? I mean, the, looking at the league right now, yeah, you could try forcing a hand out to Portland to get well, Dame Lillard some help if Dame was going to stay. Well, well, and that's the thing is Dame hasn't signed it. He, he's, I think he's going into the last year of his deal. He hasn't signed an extension yet because he wants to see some of the moves the front office does in the offseason before committing. Yeah, because he's – Which is smart. Yeah, it's smart. He's he's given him everything. If he leaves, listen, he has done everything. He's the right. Matthew Stafford of the NBA. Like, he's giving yep. you everything. Yeah, so I have no fault if he decides to leave. I mean, I'm just looking at the list of teams on ESPN.com. Boston, no. No. Brooklyn, we can write that off. Knicks, they they ain't got the I don't think they've got the pieces there to trade for. It'd be nice to see Durant there. I don't think they have the pieces there to trade for it though. The only listen, the only thing that they got, and I'm not okay. I'm going to take this out of my fandom. Sure. Okay. They've got draft picks for days because of all the moves they did with Detroit. Now, is it enough to get over? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. If they wanted to try doing a crazy deal like Randall and, um, you know, do a sign and trade with RJ, do something like that, right? I will say it's a maybe, but I give it like a twenty five percent chance. Sure. So I'm gonna say the Knicks are arguably ruled out unless something weird happens. Unless something weird happens, like, and I'm I'm just saying this. I've seen that office do some weird things. Yeah. I mean, you take a look at the Carmelo trade. You take a look uh, at this, you know, the Marbury well, deals. Well, and I think that's the Carmelo trade is exactly why the Knicks, if they are in on Durant, are being cautious about this, is because they don't want to repeat history twice. But you know what, though, it's a weird thing, unless you live in New York City or read the New York City papers. Sure, Dolan, I'm sure, has been seething that he is not the front page of the New York Post and the in the. Uh, times, yeah, that could be, or the Daily News, rather. Daily News, yeah, I'm could, sure he's pissed as all hell about it. Could so. be, I mean, but also you got the 76ers, no Raptors, Raptors eh, could maybe. Uh, I don't, th- I think you can safely rule out anyone in the Central: Bulls, Cavs, Pistons, Pacers, Bucks. I don't think any of those. No, I ain't going there. Southwest Hawks, no Hornets, no uh, Heat, possibly, but it's a long shot. Mm. Magic, no Wizards, no. 
North Northwest. The only one I think that possible there is Portland. You know, but that's that's a maybe. Oklahoma City's got the picks. They ain't got the fucking players though. Yeah, they got nothing. Uh, you know, Timberwolves. No, they just they as we mentioned with some of the other guys, they just signed and also extended. They ain't got the money for it. Nuggets. No. Pacific Golden State Warriors could. You know, that's a possibility for Durant. Clippers probably not, but you never know. Lakers, I'll tell you right now, I played with the ESPN NBA trade machine. If you trade Durant and Kyrie for Westbrook and Davis straight up, it works. Yeah, they ain't going to do that, This is according to the ESPN NBA trade machine. Uh, Suns, no. Kings, I mean, they got probably got the money. I doubt it. I though. would mark out. Like I, I might actually go buy a jersey if it's Kevin Durant Sacramento because that'd be wild. That'd be the wildest thing of all year if, yeah. if Sacramento pulls this off. Yeah. Dallas. Uh, looking at the Southwest Dallas, probably not. Houston, probably not. Although they do have a shitload of draft picks. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies, no offense to Grizzlies fans, probably not. Pelicans, no. San Antonio Spurs, yeah, maybe, probably not. No, because I mean, here's the thing: Popovich ain't gonna tolerate that nonsense. Oh hell no! Like I say, you gotta look at the organization and the people running it. I think logistic, logistically, the only ones that might. The Lakers might, if if LeBron wants somebody bad enough, that's the only deal I see happening there is Kyrie for Westbrook straight up. That's mm-hmm. it. Everybody, they're, they're well, the gonna... thing, though, is you got to all, like we talked about last week, though, if you do that, you can't do that straight up because then uh, Brooklyn's got to dump $44 million in cap space. Yeah, I mean, they'll they'll work some deal out. Like, it, like I, that's the only way I see that happen. Like, it'll be, like, with, with pieces attached. Right. But it's going to happen. That's the only deal that I think goes – Durant, I mean, some team would be willing to to mortgage everything. I would. I'm telling you right now, if it's Sacramento, I will mark out oh like God. a madman. That'll be the funniest thing in years. I, we might have to. I might have to try making an ODPH uh, Sacramento King style logo, take a throwback because we might <laughs> we might have to get on that bandwagon. <laughs> I'm telling you that like that would be like the only team that's got like some real outside chance of pulling it off. But I mean, realistically, Lakers are in the the, the talk if they want to really try making something happen. It's the Lakers, Golden State. Why? I mean, you're bringing back most of your young nucleus. Well, what is that? I know. I think Otto Porter Jr. is gone. Yeah. And then also Peyton's, Payton. Peyton's gone, but you still have Poole, and then you still have Wiggins. Yeah, so, I mean, why You know, why try rocking that yeah. too much? Dallas is a long shot, but Dallas might be in that contention, Humans too. Humans got the money, but it's just do they have the picks and do they have the pieces to trade? Yeah, so, I mean, that being said, it's like there really isn't a market for it, so... You want you love New York City. You guys might just have to play through this, or one of you is going somewhere, and I think it's Kyrie. I think KD stays. I think he's going to be forced to stay there. He might be a little uh, mad about it, but uh, hey, that's the that's the issue you run into when you sign a four year extension. You signed a four year extension with a no trade clause uh, that is non existent, so you, you can yep. get moved at any point. At any point, anywhere. Yeah, but I tell you what, if I was the front office, first thing I'd do is fire Steve Nash. You want to take your team back over? Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, he's the guy that you picked for it. And listen, no disrespect to Steve. He's not the guy you want leading that ship right now, especially coming back with the headaches that appear that are going to be returning uh-huh. in the fall. Uh-huh. He's not the guy. You need to go get somebody else right now. I'm trying to uh-huh. I'm trying to be very polite about this, but I'm sorry. As it currently stands right now, forget about it. It's going to be a wrap. The Knicks are now looking like a more stable organization. That's a scary thing to say. I did say it. I will stand by it. That being said, we want to hear your takes, ODPH Society. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. NBA free agency, how is your team doing? And let's talk Katie and Kyrie. Where do you think everybody's heading? Definitely want to have this discussion. So let's do it, and we will take a quick break, and we'll be right back. (laughs) 
This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna... Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pat, what you got? Kind of talk some local minute, nothing national, because it's been kind of a quiet week. Uh, looking at the local minute and the Binghamton Roma Ponies, how they've been doing. Uh, looking at their games they had this past week, uh, they had a game on Sunday against the Reading Fight and Fills, uh, where they uh, won by the final score of 7-6, to six, uh, and then they had their series against the Hartford Yard Goats, uh, where they lost the first game 6-2, to two, won the second game 7-3. to three. Holy shit, lost the third game 14-4. to four. Yay. Ouch. Lost the th- uh, game on Friday the 1st uh, by the final score of 8-3. to Won on Saturday by the final score of 11-3. to And then won on Sunday by the final score of 7-1. to uh, They now start a uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 game series against the Portland Sea Dogs. First game of which took place on Monday. That, of course, being Independence Day. Lost by the final score of 11-3. to uh, They are off today as we record. But then they start the series back up on Wednesday. Uh, this is all in town. Wednesday, game time, 6-35 p.m. Eastern. Uh, they're back again on Thursday, also 6.35 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Friday is at 7.05 Eastern, and should note is Elvis tribute artist Jeff Crick appearance, so there will be an Elvis impersonator in, in the building. Okay, he's come through before. Yeah, he's, he's, he's very good. He's good, though. He's, he's very good. good. Uh, and then Saturday, they got another home game, 6.35 p.m. Eastern. That is Speedy Saturday, so I bet you there will be a good deal on some Speedies down there. Uh, and then Sunday is at 1.05 p.m. Eastern, and that is Wizards and Wands. Uh, so my guess is that's going to be something to do with uh, Harry Potter. Uh, so for more information, tickets, and all that good stuff, bingrp.com. And the only other bit of uh, base and stuff I'm going to mention, because like I said, nothing really big, big going on on the national level, but I do got to know because this is really cool. Uh, of course, Max Scherzer of the New York Mets did make two rehab appearances with our local Binghamton Rumble Ponies, one in town, one out of town. Uh, of course, he did have the now famous quote of he wanted to be back in the majors and he didn't want to be a rumble pony. Mm-hmm. Apparently he was still appreciative and did a nice solid thing for the guys uh, of our local team. Uh, this according to foxsports.com uh, quote, whenever a big leaguer makes a rehab appearance in the minors, it's typical for them to purchase the pre or post game spread food. Yep. But Wednesday night, Max Scherzer went above and beyond shelling out big cash for a locker room feast that included bone in ribeye. Damn. Filet mignon Oof. and lobster. The what? Appro- the approximate dollar figure was upwards of $7,000. Scherzer also bought everyone AirPods. We walk, quote, we walk in and there's a clubby just handing out AirPods saying they're, they're from Max, a source said. Though ruthless and intense on the mound, Scherzer has a reputation as a phenomenal teammate and an outstanding clubhouse guy. So to Max Scherzer, I say thank you, sir. That is very nice and, and very a very nice touch, you know, for you to show the guys uh, down here at the Double A level. And I appreciate the hell out of it. Yeah, you definitely got respect that. I mean, I'm sure the quote was he wants to get back to the major leagues. And yeah. I think you know, obviously, we were like, okay, well, you know, it's just how he worded it. Yeah. But you know, good on him. And yeah. you know, we've heard that he's done this in the past too. That yeah. He's a he's a hell of a teammate. Seven thousand dollars though. Oof. Well, you know what? How much money is he making from the Mets, though? It's a lot. It's like $30, $40 million a year. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a drop in the bucket for him. So that's, Pretty much. that's nothing too much. Yep. And to close it out, we got to talk one more thing about the UFC uh, 276 event. Okay. And unfortunately, 
Uh, we had to see uh, a passing of the torch, a retirement. Yeah. A very sad moment, but, you know, one that we yeah. knew was coming, and that yeah. is one Donald Cowboy Cerrone yeah. uh, has hung it up. He put his hat and the gloves in the middle of the octagon. After his loss to Jim Miller at UFC 276, uh, yep. he said uh, it's time, and to quote the article from Brett Akamoto, uh, he said, I don't love it anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a movie star, baby. <laughs> I can see that. I yeah. mean, long-time fighter, one of the best to ever do it. You know, uh, the, the definition of anywhere, anytime, any place. you know, and, and I understand that. I, I know he also said in the quote after the fight that this was the longest camp he'd ever done in his career and it was the hardest. You know, so, hey, good on him to know it's time and to walk away because we don't want another Chuck Liddell situation. Yeah, and I don't think he's going to come back. Like, I think the no. one thing that we have to remember about Cerrone is between the the WEC is where he came to fame. Mm-hmm. And I believe he was on the Tap Out show taken away back when. Like, that's how he was discovered. Uh, he has been a mainstay in the fighting game. So when the WEC was absorbed by the UFC, he rose to superstardom. And like you touched on, Pat, he is the definition of anytime, anyplace, anywhere. It didn't matter who the UFC wanted to put him against, he would show up. I mean, I remember times that he'd actually be walking around at weight in case he needed a fill-in for a fight if somebody didn't make it. Like, it's just crazy to think that somebody of his stature just has this legendary career and has set record upon record in the UFC. I mean, to think about the times and the battles he's had over the years, mm-hmm. and especially the biggest takeaway is he might not have ever been a champion. He, he just always yeah. could never pull out the W no matter who he was facing for the belts. Yeah. It was a situation that he was just so endeared by the fans. Oh, and absolutely. Just, you know, somebody that you knew every time you watched him fight, he was going to give you everything he had, good, bad, and different. He just walked in the cage and let it go. Yeah. And to see at this stage of the career, I mean, like I say, legendary from, I, going back to the article from Brett Akimoto, WEC from 2007. Uh, I've got fights from uh, prior to WEC. His first professional fight was on February 11th, 2006. Uh, prior to that, his first he was a professional Muay Thai mm-hmm. fighter. His first Muay Thai fight was on February twelfth of two thousand and five. Yeah, and then prior to that, he's got a he's got one professional boxing match under his belt. It was a loss via TKO in the second round on November twenty first. 2003 so the guy's been fighting professionally that's not the amateur stuff ain't even here so that's probably going back at least another five plus years since the early 2000s yeah and it's just crazy to think that now at 39 years old and the tread that he is Mm -hmm. he's had on those tires and he was always a fighter that no matter at the end of the fight he'd immediately go find the matchmakers and say what am i fighting next i remember one point he fought five times in a calendar year yeah and that is a lot if you're not familiar with the sport of MMA, that is a is usually you're lucky if you get three fights in a year, mm-hmm. let alone five. Yeah, he's got just doing some math based off of the records I have on his Wikipedia page. He's got 55 professional MMA fights. Uh, he's got six Muay Thai fights, and then he's got the one boxing match. So he's got 62 professional fights. Yeah, in 20 in 20 years. Yep, and according to the ESPN article too. He has won 18 fight of the night bonuses oh, yeah. over the years. And obviously, rightfully so. Every time he was in the cage, it was must-watch TV. He was just always somebody that was just as genuine as it gets. There was no BS with him. 
he would just literally go in there and fight no matter who you put in front of him. Mm-hmm. And I cannot wait to see what he does next. A certified Hall of Famer. Listen, he doesn't need a belt. He is the cowboy. There will we always talk about last of a dying breed, like oh, him, him and the Robbie Lawlers. This is a transition era for yeah. mixed martial arts. I'd love to see the next generation yeah. really model themselves after Cerrone yeah. and after Lawler because you're going to need to do that to keep that sport moving. They do have elite fighters, mm-hmm. but just to have that one that connects with the masses right? and the, you know, the pop culture audience, few have done it better than Donald Cerrone. Yeah, he does have an acting career ahead of him. I mean, he's got some experience. Looking Again, Wikipedia page. Uh, he did have a small uh, part in The Equalizer 2 uh, in 2018. Uh, and then he was also, surprisingly, on it. i got to go back and watch this because I missed him. He was on an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, so the, I remember hearing about that. So the dude does have some acting credits uh, to his name. Now I just got to see who we can cast in the MCU. <laughs> no, he's not going to be Mephisto, so don't even hit me up about that. That might be a great poll question. Sure. If Cerrone's now going to act, and who can be in the MCU? We'll pose that to the OG Page Society for the off time. But that being said... The music you heard on this edition of the WPH is that of Brian Wolf. His EP has dropped. He decided to do a live stream yesterday, Pat, as we record. Ooh. So if you want to go check him out on his Facebook, you can find out everything going on with Brian and the new EP. But, Pat, if I want to find out more, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. Swing on over to the music section. You check out everything going on with Brian. Everything going on with Tom Jolu, who is doing big things, man. And he had a hell of a watch party for his uh, live um, tour video Oh, okay. Uh, this past week. Um, I, unfortunately I couldn't make it due to work reasons, but Tom is a amazing dude. We support the hell out of him on the entire six or seven podcast family. Can't speak highly enough. Second suitor. I did not get a chance to tell you this. Yeah. So August 12th at the X. Oh yeah. I saw the poster for this. It's suitor slam. I saw the, too. I saw the poster for this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Tyler Reed, friend of the show. Yeah. Lead singer of second suitor. Yeah. Is tagging. With his, his cousin, cousin, yeah, Sean. Sean Carr. Sean going to be doing a lot of heavy lifting in that match. Well, actually, last year, Tyler scored a win over Sean. Oh. So, technically, Tyler is 1-0 in his professional Maybe wrestling. that's why I've seen Sean in the gym a little more these days. I'm mm. just saying, you know, I know Sean listens to the show. We're probably going to get super kicked when we see him at the uh, movies I'm going to get super kicked at the gym, probably. Yeah, you're going to get it first, and I know he's going to yeah. give me a receipt, too. But those two are going to be teaming up to take on Axel Lennox and Garrett Holiday. So, yep. They're going to be doing a big show. It's uh, comedy, wrestling, and music. So if you are in the 607 area in August and you want to go, tickets are only 8 bucks. That's not bad. It's a hell of a deal. So if you're in the area you want to go support it, you can definitely do that. We'll have the link up on the music section. Well, it's actually, if you go right to Second Suitor's Facebook page, it's right there. See, that's how easy we make it for you. So obviously, shout out to them. Shout out to Shout Out the Robots because they're just awesome. Uh, Yard Party, Floodlands, any music you hear on the ODPH and the 607 Podcast family, you know we back 100%. And we give you firsthand testimonials every damn time. New Shout of the Robots is coming too, by the way. I'm super excited about that. But also, while you're at the website, you go check out the directory. Which, Pat, how many providers are we on? Uh, 75,717. Sounds about right. So if we're not in your favorite podcast provider, let us know where you're listening to us from, and we'll see about getting the, getting the ODPH on there for you because we want to make it that easy. You go right to the directory. You can go hit subscribe right to... Apple Podcasts, right to Spotify, right to iHeartRadio, Ghana, uh, Good Pods. My God, there's so many I even forget. But that's why I say we make it so easy for you. That we just want to say thank you for supporting the ODPH. Here's where our content is. Boom, we make it happen. Also, our other website, check out Parlay Points. New blogs dropping this week, especially a new wrestling one coming out too. So definitely want to check out for that. Also, the classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 812 Productions. 
uh, Dragon Master Games. Basically, just go there and you can find out everybody that we hang out with and we talk yeah. we talk so highly about because they support us, we support them. That's how it goes on the Friends of the Show page. Also, check out organizational link support and Black Lives Matter. Voter registration links are up there as well. So you definitely want to go check that out. Shout out to all the pod groups we're in via their Podchaser pages. So definitely shout out the Inner Circle. Shout out to the Apocalypse, which just got uh, Thanos snapped, as I was told in the chat today. Oh, damn. And, uh, of course, 6 or 7 Podcasts because we do big things here in upstate New York. All that, the T-Public Store, anything and everything that is the ODPH can be found at odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one only, Padawan J. MLB All-Star Ballot Finals are out. Uh, Aaron Judge is through, but you have, still have Jose Trevino and Giancarlo Stanton in the finals to get to the uh, MLB All-Star game. So get out to MLB.com slash vote. Vote them in. Also, fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.